Welcome to the Marvel Cinematic University Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Canton III, and we are continuing our road to Loki as we kind of trudge along as we get there in October. We got a little while to go, but in the meantime, make sure you check out the MC University Patreon, patreon.com slash mcuniversitypod, where we could get our latest bonus content. We did a subscriber mailbag salute to our guest patron, Summer. She joined us for a wonderful, rousing appearance, and if you are a, if you are an Avenger tier member of the Patreon, which is $8, then you will have an opportunity to join us for a subscriber mailbag in the future. But I want to introduce first the super producer, Jake Christie. Jake Christie's in the house. Jake, how are you? I'm doing well. This is the second time I did the salute motion. I need another hand signal. <laughs> and and we do have a guest today. This this actually I, this actually feels like this should have happened a while ago, but I'm glad he's here now. He is the I I don't know what to call you these days, Mike. You're the EP of Metal Arc. What, what what's happening there, yeah. Mike? Mike Ryan Ruiz of the Levitard Show. Yeah, EP of Metal Arc. I think that boils it down. Talent, business development, on air, still doing some EP stuff for Levitard Show. Just uh, EP ad hoc. No, oh, there you go. There you go. Well, thank you for joining us. And I want to kick it off with this because I feel like every time I listen to the show and you end up talking about comic book film and streaming and television and the movies itself, I feel like you're I feel like you're always on the verge of getting into it deeper. So I want to ask, where does your your fandom come from from the comic book movie side? Uh being a child of divorce and turning to comic books. <laughs> Uh, the, <laughs> when I grew up, this thing didn't exist, the, uh, smartphone. So we had to be creative with, uh, how we entertained ourselves. So I grew up in a pretty great time for comic books. There was old age meets new age characters were being reinvented. Illustrations were vivid, uh, for, uh, a 12 year old. Let's just say that Psylocke <laughs> forever. Um, good show. <laughs> good show. Yeah, you guys know I'm getting that. I I just love comic books. It's our it's our American mythology, right? And um, I, I got really into it. And Batman '89 hit when I was four years old. It was hugely influential, made a big impact on me. I, I fell in love with all superheroes after that. So I, uh, yeah, ever since then I haven't quit. Wow, uh, Jake, you know it's funny. If you remember when we had Greg Cody on and he went through his his vast uh, comic book collection, I could never forget. Oh my goodness! <laughs> it, it's just a reminder. Like you, I, I'm sure you probably talked to Greg about this before, but he showed us. It was just incre- It was incredible stuff. Um, his his comic book collection, but but nonetheless. So we've been having a lot of conversations on this show and uh, actually on Metal Arc last week on the Metal Arcers with Howard Bryant about the state of the MCU and everything that's kind of happening with comic book film, because it does feel like it's in a weird place. It's uh, the weirdest place that it's been in a while. Um, what have you made of, cause I know you've talked about the multiverse storyline not hitting for you. What have you seen lately with the MCU after Endgame specifically that has kind of turned you off of the medium, at least at this point? It's a mess. It's not just a mess to follow. It's a mess to watch. the the color The color palette. It's all purple and, and gray, and it just looks like carbon copies of one another. It's not a joy to look at. There are very 
few practical effects. Everything's just this rushed blob of purple. And when the stories aren't hitting and when there's very little originality to these things, and I'm sure maybe some in your audience might take exception to that, you start losing me. Uh, as a father of a three-year-old, as someone that's very busy, I and as a supporter of sports teams that went very deep in the playoffs, mm-hmm. I have to be judicious with the time that I spend on things. And I've started to systematically cut certain aspects of the, uh, the MCU out. Um, if something is not good, I'm not going to see it through the way that I used to. I gave up on uh, the Captain America series. I, I enjoyed She-Hulk. It was light enough. It was quick enough. Uh, but that was borderline too. Uh, Shang Chi, I liked. Recently, I saw Wakanda Forever on an airplane, as uh, as God intended, and <laughs> uh, I thought it was plagued by some of the same things that have been bothering me. The, the visual effects are, are just kind of lazy. But I think the biggest thing that made me check out is uh, the first couple of phases had so much emotion attached to it. You felt the gravity of certain situations. And with multiverse and how they've totally leaned into it. And I'm just like you guys. I I was excited at the prospect of it to see what all the possibilities. But uh, it's really open Pandora's box. There are no consequences. And when you dilute the consequences to the degree that they've had, the special sauce, the emotional connection that you had to characters isn't quite the same. And things like Guardians of the Galaxy becomes a little bit more diluted. It's a dilution of degrees because you just figure, well, I really love these characters, but I'm sure they, they can just bring them back or there will be a prequel series or I, I can still have these characters in my life and I can still buy their toys and uh, Disney can still make millions upon millions off of their IP. I don't like that there aren't consequences because I miss the gravity of situations in in, in the content they put forth and that is considerably missing. So I think what's interesting about that is I do feel the pandemic didn't help this, but I do think that the delays and the fact that you got the Jonathan Majors issue now and also this Secret Wars thing that they're planning to do, um, we're not going to see till 2026 or 27. So if if you're not a diehard and if you're not just like, in it the entire way it's gonna be difficult to just wait especially if they're diving into things like captain america and the thunderbolts and all these other things and that's not including the disney plus shows which you know we talked about last week that i mean bob Iger even said it that they've hit the saturation point with the shows it's time to kind of consolidate and get back to the the more efficient storytelling the seven eight projects a year i just think it's it's just too difficult for the for any fan even us to a degree to you know absorb and be able to enjoy in the way that they were intended to so i think that part of it is difficult so i i should ask this you know in terms of that aspect of it the accumulation it's so much they throw in so much at you and the quality has gone down is this something that is just here in the comic book movie verse, or is this just something that's happening in general from what you've seen in film and television? 
I, I think it's happening in general too. And I think this summer with, even though um, the, the subject matter was derivative of a, a pop culture mainstay, Barbie was incredibly original and Oppenheimer was an original ambitious film. And I think people are really pining for originality and the, the copy paste um, situation that Disney ran itself into. And you outlined why they may actually have reasons for this, but I think just people are tired and, Look, in in the last two years, I can't believe that there's a scenario in which I'm missing out on these shows willingly. Moon Knight looked cool. I couldn't find the time for Moon Knight. Secret Invasion, if if you would have put Secret Invasion out in front of me maybe six years ago, sure, let's dive into the ethos of Nick Fury and Scrolls or or whatever. And uh, no, no, I'll pass. You're you're, you're good on that. I'll pass. And Loki, Loki, I enjoyed Loki. And I thought WandaVision was excellent. WandaVision Mm -hmm. really got me excited for what the potential was for these series. But Loki is when I kind of started realizing there was a problem. And the performances kind of salvaged it. But then I realized, oh, this, this multiverse thing's about to get real messy. And I know there were reports that Feige brought everybody in and warned everybody. It was kind of like a comic book uh, passage in its own right. We have to be very careful with what we do, and these are the laws of the multiverse. And I haven't really seen anything reined in. I don't know if you guys have. I, I We're going full bore, and I'm of the opinion, I saw, I think the Lights, Camera, Barstool guys did this, and I hadn't really considered it. I think the MCU kind of needs a snap of its own. And you mentioned 2026 that we're still going to be telling these stories. And I'm exhausted hearing you say that. (laughs) Tell you what, shelve it, have something horrible happen and just restart everything with X-Men and fantastic four. Just restart the whole thing. So the, so the, the, the irony of you saying that is I tweeted a couple of days ago, just based off of a lot of the stuff that I see and, and partake in as far as the rumors of what stories are coming out and how they're deciding to tell them. I think they, I think once secret wars happens, they're going to do a comic book thing and use the stuff called the incursions in order to collapse said universes onto each other to create one singular universe. And I do think when one secret wars is over, they will, the elder statesman will be gone. We'll be done with the super cameos that we're going to get from every single person that you could think of in the Fox universe and whatever universe that we've seen over the past 20 years. And they're going to focus on the younger heroes, the X-Men and the fantastic four. I think that's what's going to happen. I think they're moving towards that. But again, when you talk about the time that it takes to get there, that presents a big, it's just too long. That, that should happen. That should happen like in a movie in March next year. Like I can't, like, the, as I said, I think on the Metal Oscars pod, like, once you have a multiverse story win Best Picture at the Oscars, that formula is already, people are not going to keep seeing it. We've seen it better. Like, you mm-hmm. mean, I, 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 I'm, the thing, if you introduce the idea of the multiverse at the end of Loki season one, you, I think people really overestimate how much illusion there was to the Infinity Stones and the Infinity Saga before Infinity War. Before Infinity War, you just heard that there was things called Infinity Stones and you saw Thanos like two times. They're doing way more multiverse stuff now 
way before like I think so much of what you're talking about, Mike, of why something like Guardians 3, which is not even related at all to the multiverse saga, is diluted in your opinion, is because it's so much more present of mind that everything is involved. Whereas, like, the reason people were seeing the movies in, like, Phase 2 or whatever is not... No one was seeing Captain America the Winter Soldier because, like, I want to see how this goes into the Infinity Saga. And I think that... And I hate to repeat myself again, but Marvel really tricked themselves into believing that the business they were doing in mid 2018 through 2019 was the norm as opposed Mm -hmm. to an aberration that happened just once like you can't not every film can be an event because if you're putting out seven or eight things a year either they all if you're going to put out multiple projects a year either they are all so essential that you need to see all of them or you're putting out too many for people to see all of them and they want their cake and eat it too they want to put out seven things and everyone in their audience see every single one of them but there are people with three-year-old kids who can't do that and so if they were to say like, hey, let's spend, you know, $50 million on a project and not everyone has to see it, that'd be one thing. But if every project is going to be a gigantic CGI fest that monetarily needs everyone to see it, the math doesn't add up. You can't do seven of those a year. Yeah. Yeah. Give me shorts. Give me shorts. I don't need an entire feature length film for Quantum Mania. I don't. In fact, I didn't watch it because it said Quantum Mania. And by title, I realize I'm probably going to hate that. And I saw a commercial and everything was purple and green screened. And I was just, I'm out. Tell you what, put your resources behind an awesome 15 minute short to tell me what's going on with Ant-Man. And I'm, and I'm good. Hey, Hawkeye needs a series? No, no. Hawkeye is pointless in the modern age. And they did well enough in the Avengers and made you care, but I don't need a series on Hawkeye. I really don't. Give me 15 minutes. Let me know what Hawkeye's up to. All right. And what I have to know for... For the next Avengers movie, they should do, this is the first time I've ever said this, Hmm. they should take a page out of DC's book and realize right now they're writing a lemon. And if you look at the chart, there is no upward trajectory. They are riding a losing horse right now. They had winners. They killed off the winners. The winners aged. Or there were just no consequences for the winners. People love those stories. People love those characters. And they won't hold it against you if you decide, we're going to bring back Tony Stark. I say, have your blowout, whatever, be it 2026, whatever. But just fold it in, put a bow on it, and you told your saga. It's already the greatest saga told in cinematic history. Make sure it stayed good longer than it was going to be bad. Because we're headed towards a place now where the end is going to be so bitter that it's going to change how you felt about the earlier phases. That's interesting. It, so let me ask you, something like Deadpool 3, you see Hugh Jackman, what do you think of that? Just curious. Yeah, it's cool. I would have liked to have seen it years ago, but I'll, I'll pop for it. And I understand it's occupying this different world. And I like seeing stories that don't, where Spider-Man still keeps me, um, because outside of those being very well made to, to a degree, um, they're not in this they're adjacent to it because you can always tap into it with the multiverse but they're telling their own stories and i understand that deadpool will probably make fun of the multiverse so you'll get extra points for that it'll be a big nostalgia fest and that's fine that seems like a one-off i don't really where where deadpool will lose me as if it's part of this huge gigantic we're going to keep older actors but we're going to tell young stories and we're going to kind of (laughs) change what you know about it no this was a great time in comic book cinema. The time in comic book cinema. Wrap it up. 
just just wrap it up and start anew. Start fresh. We don't need a different Iron Man altogether. Right. It's been 20 years. Just do it again. I saw like I've seen seven Batmans in the last I've seen eight people play Bruce Wayne since I've been able to drink beer. Come on. We can do this. <laughs> we we can bind together. It's not impossible. Why are we so married to continuity when we have a multiverse hanging over our heads? I just just yeah. stop it. No, those are some really interesting points you raised. So you you mentioned Spider Man. So did No Way Home pop for you? Yeah, did I? They didn't really do the pointing at each other thing, but that was it. Was great. It was nostalgia, and it was a one off. And I know that he's part of the Marvel MCU, but they can play fast and loose with it, and. Uh, Sony's been doing pretty much one thing well with it uh, on the live action side, really great things on, on the animated side with it, but I loved it because they each individual, first off, there weren't thousands of these multiverses that we were concentrating on. There was two other ones and we knew the consequences there. And there was what was so great about how they invoked those multiverses was the consequences of what you experienced in those films didn't go away. Mm-hmm. And it was with, it was embedded within the fabric of Andrew Garfield's portrayal of Peter Parker. And that was the heart of the film. And they found a way to take this convoluted multiverse thing and still give it that heart and give it that emotional connection. And I think with so many layers and so many stories and quite frankly, so many superheroes that probably don't deserve to be put in front of the camera. We don't, you don't need to tell everybody's story. You can do that. You can, you can re-engage the audience in that emotion when it's Spider-Man. Yeah. Right. But when it's a play, a, a, a superhero that popped up midway through guardians too, I'm not, I'm not going to care. I've, I've only got so much invo- emotion invested in these films, and you've already shown me that at any point you can pull the rug out from under me and tell me what I experience is a trick. Yeah, and I think, I think that's fair. So on the other side of that, we have DC and everything that's been happening there, the, the Flash film and, yeah. and, and that you know what's disaster weird? that was. You, you, yeah. know what's, you know what's I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk out of both sides of my mouth. I like the Flash. Interesting. I, I like the Flash like because parts of the Flash I didn't yeah, like I, it parts. as a as a concept as what it meant for a lot of different things I thought it was kind of morally abhorrent but I right. like parts of it. Oh no no no! The Flash was morally abhorrent and I and I. It's I'm like, not saying that to judge you for liking it. I'm saying that like I think that there are elements of it that worked, but on oh, the whole, I had right. a bad taste in my mouth when I left the theater. Look, I've watched a <laughs> I've watched a WWE Premium Live event in Saudi Arabia right, right. or two. Like uh, I, I understood what I was, I was going for Michael Keaton's lips. God damn it. Of I wasn't course. going for yeah. Ezra the best Miller. And you want to talk about messy CGI and, and, and convoluted stories that that thing had it all, but it had great nostalgia. It, out, it also found a way to have heart. And um, I guess what, what made me enjoy the flash, despite it having all the things that I hate about the MCU is I knew it wasn't sustainable. I knew that it was a one-off. Right. I knew that Flash wasn't going to be part. At Ezra Miller wasn't going to be a part of the DCU going forward. This was my last opportunity, possibly, to see Michael Keaton play Batman, and I wanted to to enjoy that. And I took it for what it was, and my expectations were so low that it somehow surpassed it. I will not fight anyone if they tell me the Flash was crap. I understand. 
Dude, that first scene can lose a lot of people. Oh my god! Like, like you could probably convince me it was bad, was but it surpassed my expectations, and the viewing experience was so much more than what I, I thought it would be that I ended up having a good time. I think the thing that it does with the multiverse that No Way Home also does, and that to some extent across the Spider-Verse and into the Spider-Verse do, that I'm afraid that the MCU is misunderstanding what people like about it, is that I think that, and I think even Loki does well, that people I think are very engaged with the multiverse when it is about the ways that different situations and choices can affect the same character that when people can use it to compare and contrast like i talk about everything everywhere all at once it's one of my favorite films ever i and people long time listeners of the pod know i was an early supporter and i think about what makes that movie so special is that they don't ever stray from the idea that it's basically the same character it's not like you never see a world where evelyn doesn't exist you know what i mean and what i fear the mcu is going to do in order to get to secret wars is that they're going to like try to con- you know use the multiverse to bring in the fox x-men characters or whatever but if there's no comparison point for how the it affects the characters that already exist then that is there's no narrative purpose to it it just becomes jingling keys the thing about the flash like while the michael keaton stuff was you know, kind of jingly keys. The heart of the story was about this character that was at the center of the frame if a thing different happened to Barry. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that. And so I think if you are unmoored from a central character or a central idea of a way a thing could go differently, if there's no anchoring point that's different, I think you re- you really are, you are no different than a kid saying, I now Batman is going to fight Spider-Man. Like that's really what you're doing. Yeah. And <laughs> frankly, if that was what Deadpool three was with a lot of humor about it, that's fine. But if that is your tent pole for the next phase, you have a problem. And I'm I'm not I'm not as down on this stuff as you are, mostly because I like a lot of the actors and I, I like a lot. I think a lot of the newer characters are charismatic. I think also because I didn't grow up with comics, so how big a character was in the comics doesn't mean anything to me. Yeah. But I think that I'm very worried for the sustainability of that, like. The, the the projects can either be essential or they can be good, but if they're neither, then people aren't going to watch them. And so, yeah. like, if something like, you know, I'm trying to think, like, like She-Hulk I really liked, and it doesn't seem like it's essential to understanding the story, but it justified itself to me because I liked it, you know? Mm-hmm. But if a thing is not going to contribute to the larger story, Secret Invasion, and isn't very good, mm-hmm. Secret Invasion, then mm-hmm. who's watching it? Why? I thought you brought up some really excellent points, and um, what Spider-Man did well um, and really accentuated and what uh, Flash did well, particularly with with Barry and with, uh, with Bruce was your universe, the one that you grew up with, the one that right. you've been following, the one that you've been invested in. That's the only one that really matters. Yep. All these other things, they're the bad thing because they can affect the one that you deeply care about, be it Barry's mother, spoiler alert, uh, although that's canon. Uh, yeah, that's and, like the yeah. incident. <laughs> yeah. And then uh and then with Bruce Wayne, like you had this bow put on his sword and you got closure for that really gothic Tim Burton Batman that you never got that opportunity because it was all about making money and Joel Schumacher does something totally different with it and there was so much more meat on that bone. We never got to see that Batman age and I thought it was a nice little reward for people like me that had their life changed by Batman 89. And so that's why I particularly like that that film a lot. 
I am curious, and and you brought a lot of points. I'm curious that if the uh, the writer strike actually presents a unique opportunity for Deadpool, because if they were planning on making it a ten pool, and hopefully there's someone smart enough in that room to realize they got a lemon, use this break, use this strike to rewrite this script and parody it, make us laugh at it, be self aware, and show me through Deadpool. That you're that you know what some of these problems are. Deadpool himself will address it in the film, and that'll give me signs of encouragement that you can actually yeah. salvage this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think no, I yeah. think all of that is interesting. And I mean, when we talk about continuity, I feel like studios are not getting it overall because uh, I mean, you look at the MCU and its continuity and how that seems to have spun out of track. Uh, dc trying to copy we see what have what's happened there i mean barbie made a billion dollars and mattel wants to just make a bunch of toy movies off of that as well and i think people are not getting the idea of original stories and uh what what that's supposed to mean to the now audience. it's honestly it's because in i'm not i'm very cynical about the movie business it's because if a studio head gives a a filmmaker free reign to make an original story they can't take credit for its success that's why like that's why they don't want to do that like it's it's because they can like studio heads they're actually have no incentive to support original stories jake, which is jake jake you're underestimating studio heads <laughs> i like they'll take credit for all of it that's true that's true right. the they story, can look they at the story can. of mirror max right. <laughs> like they, yes, they, they will can. take credit for all of it yes they can but also that they also don't want to if they if they green light a poly pocket movie and it doesn't work they can say what do you mean barbie was so successful but if they green light you know another female filmmaker's big idea and it doesn't work they'll get fired like that's the problem mm-hmm. yeah i mean it's i mean another example is I just recently saw the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles animated film, and that was excellent. I think they they really captured not only the essence of the characters, but the times that we're in. It was just a very modern version that was really cool. And even then, as you see, like, across the entire movie uh, lane, I mean, something like, I mean, I feel like Star Wars, this has kind of happened to, too. There's an MCUification of Star Wars as as they've tried to make all the shows that they put on Disney Plus connect and want to make shows going into movies with The Mandalorian and everything else. So I it's think... It's kind of bizarro, though, isn't it? Because yeah. the, the shows are better than the movies, uh, the, the, the newer movies. And Disney realized that they had a losing property with the movies, and they decided to hit pause. Now, you don't have the machine of development that you kind of had, even though these are big projects to put on hold. It's not the, the mass that is the MCU, but it was kind of weird that Disney decided even it's funny to use the term boutique with, with Disney's budgets because these TV shows have massive budgets, but they decided we're going to focus on these television series because these are actually working. And I, I really wish that Disney would use the same kind of judgment on, on, on the movie side and particularly it's also on the television side uh, with these series, but just realize when you have bad things, just be self-aware. Where, where's the quality control? Yeah. Where, where's look as as it's going to be his. It's it is a historic flop, The Flash, but the process was there. Someone had conviction. They had seen this man. They had every excuse. They had recent history to know that they could just lock movies in a vault. They had a problematic star. But someone went to the mat because quality control. They thought 
they had a really good movie on their hands. And to some they did, some they didn't. For some, Ezra Miller was too much to overcome and the competition was too much to overcome. But it was encouraging because people had their convictions. Yeah. I don't really think anyone's caring all that much. It's assembly line of just yeah. MCU and mm-hmm. purple green screens and just I mean, the green visual screens diarrhea. I think that more than anything, I just... I don't think they'll ever do the thing you said with shorts because I think that that's under obviously. But like, give me a young upcoming filmmaker, give them fifty million dollars. Tell them pick a give take a, ten characters that are too important off the board. Say pick one of these characters and make a Werewolf by Night style short for fifty million dollars. Yes, because Werewolf by Night. I don't know if you watched it. It was a tiny thing made by Michael Giacchino, the per- composer. It was his first real major like film. Cost, cost like you know a couple dozen million dollars which obviously is not nothing but not a ton of effects mostly practical it looked great and it didn't lose them any money it didn't i i think you just get yourself in this trap especially because we talk about this that the good vfx people refuse to work with them because they put inexperienced filmmakers with vfx behind the camera and then they micromanage every little thing so the good people don't want to work with them so everything looks like crap and it's like if the vfx are going to look like crap i i just i think that people the, the superhero things are like big budget things. They're done well, something like Barbie. It's not just original. It's they built that whole fucking set. That was a real place that existed. There wasn't almost any CGI in it. And it, people can tell. It just looks so much better. And I just wish that one Marvel pro- If I think if just one Marvel project shot on mostly location and they didn't worry so much about trying to hide spoilers for everyone because who really cares? Um... If one project did that, I guarantee you it would show in the box office and that they would, but they're just so afraid from taking that risk. They're so afraid of building a set and not being able to change something at the last minute if, you know, corporate says something. If anything, I think, and it's funny because after Endgame, it's like you hear that we're going to try and take some swings with stuff. I thought WandaVision was a swing. You think Loki is kind of a swing. Secret Invasion, I thought, was going to be a swing, but they decided to be... It it felt, Mike, honestly, so negligent, and it's what bothered me so much as I was watching it, is that you try to present this as a real story, and it's nothing. It's it's just a vat of nothingness that we... You know, we had fun doing the podcast for six weeks over it, but and kind of laughing at the the malfeasance and everything going on with it, but otherwise, it's just like, what the hell? I just... I just it's very that was the first time as a fan I was ever actually frustrated with the uh, with uh, the so man that Captain America series the Captain America series was rough we made fun of it a lot though it was rough <laughs> hey, do me a favor catch me up on Secret Invasion I'm pretty sure Don Cheadle's an alien is that it yes yes was he an alien the whole time so clear. They, you, you would think that that would be a question that they think would be important to answer, but no, they want to leave that up. See, this was, is what you're talking about. Was Terrence Howard an alien? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we joked, because there's a long-running bit in our show, uh, former mm. co-host Jerome Chang, saying that uh, he once photoshopped an image of Terrence Howard as Rhodey with the caption, let's get Thanos. And we joked that, that he's going to wake up. It's going to be Terrence Howard. Let's get Thanos. And it's like, how did no one realize that this isn't the same guy? But no. Yeah. Uh, oh. uh, it looks like maybe since Civil War, which undercuts like 17 emotional beats, or maybe not because people didn't respond to that well. Once again, you probably should have had that answer when you made the show. And this was, by the way, Mike, said by the director of Secret Invasion, who, if you read the quote, it sounds like he believes that this is what this is. 
But because it seems like Marvel doesn't necessarily tell and it's kind of pass off to the next guy, pass off to the next guy, you don't need to know about this part. You don't really know for sure. So there were plenty of fans who, when they saw that, those quotes were like, wait a minute. So when when uh, Rhodes is looking over Tony dying at, at Endgame, that's not Rose. That's just some some green alien chick. I was like, what? That's... Okay. All right. So I, I should continue to skip. Should I see Moon Knight? I think, Moon Knight, it, I think you'll enjoy Moon Knight because it actually is like very it's completely disconnected from everything stylistically a lot of it is shot on really cool locations and like it's there's some there's a couple bad cgi moments but a lot of the, the stuff looks like it looks good it, what I think is, quantumania it, should i watch quantumania no, no quantumania oh. looks like dog shit it has it is the biggest the fact that you have the complaints you do and you haven't seen quantumania is very funny because there it is everything you don't like it is a cgi run amok it looks the fact that it costs like $75 million more than Barbie and looks 20% as good is really wild. Um, yeah. I mean, me and Jake, me and Jake were re-ranking the films the other day. We did not tell each other of our rankings and we both ranked Quantumania as the third worst film in MCU history. Really? Yeah. I'm yeah. not, I, you could tell me that Eternals is essentially a Tarantino film and I'd still skip it. There's no, I don't care about yeah. those people. Yeah. I don't, don't really need to. And, and do the do thing, they matter? Do they no, matter? It doesn't seem like it because people didn't like the movie. I mean, yeah, they didn't like the movie. The The only thing is they kind of wanted to sneak a Blade thing in there for that but developmental hell that is, is the Blade it, movie. Is currently. Blade happening? I, gun to my head, I say no. I'm going to put the bet down right now. August Ooh. 17th, 2023. I don't think there's going to be a Blade movie. That's a hot Let's not forget, beyond a lot of things. Yes. Mahershala Ali is like 10 years older than Wesley Snipes was when he stopped playing Blade. Like, I think we're really, um, but no, I, I think the thing about Eternals is, and I think that this is why, like, because I think I oh, used to always bristle at the comment about characters that weren't important in the comics not needing to be on screen or whatever. Because the thing I always said is that Guardians of the Galaxy made a ton of money. And I think that characters who were not popular in the comics don't need to be on screen but i think if you have a guy like james gunn who's a really passionate filmmaker who they want to use and he says i want to make a guardians of the galaxy movie you say absolutely but if you have academy award winning director chloe zhao it coming to make a movie you ask her what do you want to make in your heart of hearts don't say we need to make an eternals movie you make that because like i think that there are a lot of interesting visual ideas in eternals it probably is like the best looking movie they've done in a while given that they shot on location but it's a shitty movie because they didn't have a good script for eternals and like i would just much rather of them said like hey everything we have you are coming off an Oscar. What does your heart desire? But they're like, well, on the schedule, we have to do an Eternals movie. I mean, we have to. So, and like, they don't. They don't have to. They don't have to do anything. They should just do what people want to do at this point. What people want and what they've wanted. Look, it's been a long time since we've seen a good X-Men film. Mm-hmm. It really has. I don't want to bring back the Fox X-Men. I really don't. Bring back Q and that that worked and that's good. We're fine with that. Bring back Storm. Don't bring back James Mordson. I want it like really when you look back on it, we could have done that a lot better. It was a Brian Singer enterprise for heaven's sake. Like, yeah. Like, and I think we that, don't. I, I think, I think also was playing beast. What were we doing? I think people also really underestimate that the median age of an MCU fan is someone who was probably not born when the first X-Men movie came out. Like a yes. thing I always talk like that, like whenever I hear like a Mon Valani who played Miss Marvel talk about, you know, 
her fandom of the MCU. She's like, yeah, I was like eight when Iron Man came out. And I think that she is a, of course, because that adults are now that age. Mm. And so I think that they have a huge opportunity to, like, I'm actually worried with the fact that they're doing so much nostalgia stuff for the older X-Men where it's like, you're doing nostalgia stuff with Hugh Jackman. Yeah, people know that he was playing Logan forever. But like, if you're 22 years old right now, you don't give a shit about H- Halle Berry a storm. No offense, Star Wars. Bam- you, you don't care. James Marsden, uh, Jennifer Garner, who we have a report that she's in Deadpool 3 too. So now, it sounds th- like th- it's self-aware. Like, yeah, don't make fun of how bad yes, that was. Deadpool 3 yeah. is going to be very self-aware. I'm not worried about Deadpool 3's cameos. I'm worried about them going forward. Where it's like, who is this for other than like, because like if you're making your movies for 40 year old dudes who have like three-year-olds who don't have time to keep up on this stuff not that that's like an unimportant demographic but that's not how you make billion dollar movies like you have to be it has to be interesting for the new generation like yeah i just wonder like what is a what is a 17 year old gonna get out of a secret wars which is half characters that were popular before they said the abcs and it's secret wars without the the characters that you'd want to see in secret wars yeah Although I think I, I I think Chris Evans will be back. I I would bet. I think sh- I think you're gonna get Evans. I think you're gonna get RDJ. I think you're gonna get Scarlet. I think you're getting all of them. Yeah, all you're of getting them are- Scarlet. Ooh, I, I, de- I think Scarlet definitely is going to. I I yeah, think really, that- he's on. She's on the hook. She's on the hook for um a couple of of MCU projects. Yeah, I think she's back. She's producing one. Yeah. And I think I think Secret Wars is the one you'll see. How do they bring him back? Single- Wait, how do they bring him back? Well, I mean, another universal variant. I mean, it's Secret Wars. That's what Secret Wars is. I mean, a problem, Mike. That's what Secret Wars is. Unfortunately, like Secret Wars. Come on. Yeah. I went to his funeral. Yeah, I know. It's that's the man was dead. The man was dead. I exactly. I know. This is the problem. This is what we're talking. Is he going to be seventy years old by then? I mean, probably no. No, we can't. <laughs> Guys, just fold it up. No one's going to watch the Marvels. No one's yeah, going mean, to watch them. Which is unfortunate. I mean, I feel that it's a classic. There's a term that I've learned recently because they're talking, I've heard it review, review, talked to with Blue Beetle mm-hmm. where it's called The Glass Cliff where it's like, oh my God, we're doing a movie that's like directed by this minority or about this minority. Oh, and it's when the franchise is dying. Sorry about that. Like yeah. no one's going to see Blue. It's like, oh, a first Latin American superhero. Oh, but the DCU's folded up. So sorry. It's tough. Yeah. And Blue Beetle is has this going to start the reviews. new DCU? Is this starting part, the new? Yeah. James yeah. Gunn wants to make the character a part of it. He's already gone on record as of saying it. But that's, but that's not going to make thing. If it doesn't make money, then. Yeah. And then like. going to be a bomb? Yeah. Oh, Blue Beetle? Yeah. Blue Beetle is going to be one of the biggest bombs in a history honestly it's probably ah, gonna be like it looks good dollars. It, it, looks, all right. it, it sucks because like all the review well i mean you know the they did this with the flash too and we saw what happened with that so you know reviews aren't always always everything that you need to kind of understand what, how a film's gonna do but i just think i think the the stink of the flash and the stink of dc is not really going to change until James Gunn actually gets to put his until they make a it. Superman movie, right? Because they're is. they're throwing they're throwing the Aquaman two thing out at the yeah. end of the year, and nobody wants to see that either. Wait, they're still doing, but well, I mean, it was that was in development before all this. I mean, this actually already shot. Basically. Yeah, this is so like so we're all once again going to do the Flash thing, which is just like yeah. see, Mike. Is this is actually why I think that Marvel can't just do a full on reset because this is the problem it causes that like you don't know what matters or what like who, what is what but i think they need to make a i think they need to do a soft reset i think a hard reset is going to cause the problems that this is having where no one's gonna see blue beetle but um 
I think if you do like, I, I think a big thing Marvel can do is, and I think this is the thing you used to do all the time in Hollywood is like, what if we just stop seeing characters and we didn't have to talk about it? What if a character that doesn't work, like, what if we just never hear from the Eternals again and we never mention it? Who cares? I don't know. We don't need to, mm-hmm. we don't need yeah. to mention it. Like, we don't need to like have a big the, story. Like the middle Winslow child in Family Matters. <laughs> exactly. Um, I think that there, I think uh, people overestimate how much <laughs> effort. In, a, in another multiverse. People overestimate how much effort was put into the continuity of the early phases of the MCU. <laughs> like, just don't worry about it. Just tell the stories and then like later on worry about how the continuity works. Like, I just, I'm just frustrated how, with all of it. How about this? We like Robert Downey Jr. Just wakes up from sleep and just like, Whoa, that was crazy. <laughs> Poppy, where are we going? Like, uh, <laughs> and Oh, we're doing Iron Man four. Awesome. Cool. And all your friends are still here and there's a secret invasion. Well, I, I thought it was a secret. How do you know about it? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just an invasion now. And uh, then people will be back. Come on. This, they got a lemon. It's bad. It's not good. It's not yeah. good. They need to recast Blade. I really wanted to see Blade. But uh, to your point, Mahershala Ali is so much older than when he agreed to do it. And he yeah. was old when he agreed to do yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. People, I think age is a thing people don't realize with celebrities that almost every celebrity becomes famous in their late 20s at the earliest and so they people and especially if you if you're a celebrity you're probably playing an 18 year old to 27 so people think you're 18 years old when you're 27 and that are and Mahershala Ali was a late bloomer he didn't get his first Oscar until he was like 41 and I think people just really don't understand how old these people are it's why I'm glad that they're kind of I think that they're probably gonna like have a swan song for uh, Mark Ruffalo's Hulk in the next few years because we don't need him to be in those pajamas when he's 70 um and I don't know I, I think that like I just want them because I think that I, I think I'm not as dour on the quality of the things as the I, I'm not as d- down on the possibility of the quality of the things. But I think like I was like I've been saying, the answer is less overall planning, not more, because if you if things aren't working and you're like, but we have to get to this destination. That's not how you that's no film franchises were never made this way. This is a rel, really, really, really new phenomenon that you would announce what your sixth film was going to be. Yeah. And that's not I, I would love nothing more than Kevin Feige not working anywhere else. I would love yeah. Kevin Feige just to say, you know what, with the Jonathan Major stuff, we don't really want to rely on Kang. We don't with the multiverse story. Maybe it's played out. We're actually going to pivot to doing a story about just like one incursion with the X-Men universe. Obviously, that's a little sloppy. But if they did that, that would give me faith that they recognize that they have an issue. Yeah, I think that's I think that's all fair. Um, yeah. Quickly, Mike, before we go um, this summer. So like we had Barbenheimer, but. It's pretty incredible that we've had stuff like Fast X and Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. And by the yeah. way, Dead Reckoning Part 1 I thought was awesome. It's a Mission Impossible Part 7 Part 1. There you go. And you can't really grade Dead Reckoning at all until you see Part 2. That's why I haven't yet ranked it on my mm. MI list. I was heartbroken to see that it lost $100 million at the <sighs> box office but that's just poor I mean, planning. That also is because, well, once because of Barbenheimer, but also a thing I have to always say whenever this is brought up, they were one of the only movies to pay their crew through COVID. So that's why they, but so like, I, I don't want to bash them. They paid their whole crew for like six months, but they didn't work. And so I don't want to, you know, I just want to throw that out there always. They would have lost a lot less money if they were like other productions, which put people out of work. So right. that there. but the, but the larger, I guess the larger point is, We've seen kind of this shift on what works and what doesn't in the industry 
where do you see it heading in in terms of this now that we're starting to see all of this stuff not do as well? Polly Pocket. <laughs> Einstein. That's I where mean, it, I would see an Einstein movie. I wouldn't see I a would. Polly Pocket movie. I would see an Einstein movie. Have you, Walter Matthau played him once. You should check out. I think it was called IQ. Yeah. Not it's really not that good. Uh, no, no I, the people are just going to try to do that and we'll amplify Saw Patrol and try to make that a thing. Oh, uh, I think the beauty of Barbenheimer, it'll be studied and replicated and it'll never be as good as it was, was that it was organic. Mm-hmm. And the second that they think that they can manipulate the people because something was popular, it's how you get Morbius re-released three times. Mm-hmm. We, we, we tell you. Yeah. We tell you what what works and, and what doesn't. And we've been telling them for a while, be careful with this. The audience scores have dipped. The box office has dipped. We've been telling them with our consumerism. We've been telling them on social media. And they're not listening. And I really hope that the strike and the restructuring in, in all these mm-hmm. places gives them the opportunity to realize this is bad. I, I used to be a Cleveland Browns fan. Mm-hmm. And for the longest time, I was just so fed up with the turnover, constant restarting, stopping, mm-hmm. restarting, new coach, new quarterback, um, and because it stopped working for so long. And so with a coach named Hugh Jackson, when mm-hmm. Jimmy Haslam decided, no matter what, mm-hmm. we're going to see this thing through. We are mm-hmm. going to have continuity. We, I don't care how bad the, the results are. We're going to stick it through. One win in two seasons. Mm, classic. One win in two seasons. It's tough. And I think the MCU's probably had one win in two seasons. It's 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 been a tough. It's been a little bit of a tough time. I'm yeah. not gonna lie. The the win lie. the win was half of Sony's win. I would that say I would call Guardians Three a win personally. Guardians Three was a win. Like Guardians Three was a win. Also, we People do a show like called Marvel Cinematic University, so yes. I can't really. Oh yeah, yeah. That's um, fair. yeah. That's the Marvel, fair. the Guardians of the Gal- Galaxy ride at Epcot was probably it's on the metal stand of wins that they've had. I mean, that ride fucking rules. So I'm not actually because, that actually I don't feel that bad about. I mean, they yeah. they got freaking Glenn Close to do a thing for the Guardians yeah. ride. AC, yeah, uh, I mean, I wouldn't want to. There's Conga. Like, come see, on. See, you're Wouldn't I? Wouldn't ride it. Um, but. I mean, you got bad back, so I wouldn't ride it. But, yeah, you know, um, it's a very smooth ride. It's yeah, oh, okay. I guess it is. I, I'm always just, I'm, I, if I hear that I've like messed up Basie's back, though, I can't live with myself. <laughs> um, but no, <laughs> I and I, I think I think what the strike is revealing, though, Mike, and I think it's I think that is different between other times of Hollywood excess because a lot of people, and I think I think this is ultimately where it's going to go is going to be like the '70s, where studios are so like tired of bloated budgets from the 60s with all the big musicals and epics that they just let directors do whatever i think it's going to take longer this time because unlike in the past when it was like horrible executives who like horrible executives who were bad to directors etc those people thought that they were doing it to make better movies they were just idiots now since hollywood is so controlled by wall street these people don't seem like they care even a little bit if the movies are good or not which i think is you, you can tell from the strike like the, the quotes coming out of the strike are people who just literally don't understand that the creative quality is what makes hollywood work yeah and that's and why so, people are gravi- that's why i'm gravitating to studios like a24 exactly i will watch everything that a24 puts exactly out. So I think that it's going to take a little longer, but I do think we're eventually going to get to a place where it is more, where you get years of, I think after Barbie, I think there will be some 
maybe not the biggest studios, but some mid-tier studios that are like, you know what, fuck it. Let's give $75 million to this up-and-coming filmmaker to make their passion. Like something like Bo Was Afraid, which is a movie that did make a lot of money. I'm so happy that movie exists because yeah. that is what that's what we should be doing. Like, God, yeah. life is so short. Our, like, Ari and Eggers are are two geniuses of our time. Give them before. the give them the universal monsters. I would give love nothing more than to stop doing the show. If I could stop doing the show because Hollywood decided to give a hundred million dollar budgets to original movies, I'd be a little bit mad that I have a little less supplementary income, but it would be worth it. You know? Let let yeah, honestly, I need to I mean, I'm excited for the Nosferatu from Robert Eggers. Oh, I mean Did you see what the, the director of uh uh cinematography said? No, about how they're they're uh invoking nineteenth century paintings and that's essentially You're it's going right. to be in color but it's going to look like a 19th century painting as opposed to vivid 4k as yeah. as we have and, and and like and with these big properties which are obviously going to exist do like the th- i think some of the reason why this uh mutant mayhem movie works is because one it costs 70 million dollars so it even though it's not doing as well as they want to it's not going to lose money which is wonderful mm-hmm. and two Seth Rogen really seems to love the Ninja Turtles, and he wanted to make a Ninja Turtles movie. There wasn't some meeting where Seth Rogen came in and they said, we have all these properties. Which one of these do you want to do? Like, just give these properties to people who are interested in them, who have a take. Like, let the Greta Gerwigs of the world make the Barbie movies. And let if you're, you're going to have a big, bloated Captain America movie, don't give it to a director who's good. Give it to a hack. You know, I saw this great article I forget who wrote, and I, I'll link to it somewhere. It was like in defense of hacks, where it's like in the 90s, when Harrison Ford was making a movie where he had a gun, they didn't ask like a German auteur to make it. They were like, let's get a, let's get a Philip Noyce or, you know, a Peter Himes to make it. Like, get the hack back. You know what I uh, I watched over in the UK? Uh, not in the UK. In um, I was watching BBC over in France. Mm-hmm. I was watching the Tom Cruise-led vehicle of the Mummy, and I was reminded of the Monster <laughs> Cinematic Universe, the Monsterverse, the Universe, the Dark Universe is what you mean. The dar- the Dark Universe and how mm. Russell Crowe was uh, Doctor Jekyll. Doctor Jekyll, and yes, he, he was like the he was going to be like the Nick Fury uh, <laughs> of all these uni- classic Universal monsters. And uh, you know what Universal did. They they, they, they they said it sucked and they mo- and they didn't put out any more and they yeah. realized like we have these great properties let's just make an amusement park attraction out of them for now until we figure out exactly how to do this because we're not going to force the audience to see more bad ones however yeah. that movie rocked Tom I've never seen it killed it Tom I, I have seen it before. I didn't hate it the thing I've said before on the pod, AC, you remember this. I once yeah. said, I think I could have made the Dark Universe work if you put me in charge of it. That's a claim. That's the boldest claim I've ever made. But and I and I on a on a Patreon mailbag, please subscribe, people, if you want to hear it. I can tell you which one it was. I did a 10-minute breakdown who I would have cast, how I would have made a Dark Universe work. One, first of all, the biggest problem is if you're doing a Dark Universe, I'm just gonna spoil it. You start with Dracula. That's it, you have to start with Dracula if you're doing the Dark Universe. That's just an obvious point. But anyway, I, I'll save the rest of it for the paywall. But I yes, have done yes. this rant before. So yes. What I love so much about the Mummy with uh, with Tom Cruise is that it's it's a Mission Impossible movie, but it with is. a Mummy. Yeah. It it's, is. it's just it's 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 the same. It's Tom Cruise running. It's Tom Cruise doing Tom Cruise things. There's even an airplane scene. Like mm-hmm. it's just Tom yeah. Cruise oh with a Mummy. Yeah, and th- like that works. It, yeah. it worked. It worked. And the Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde thing is like whatever. I don't need a Mister Fury type. I just want to see Tom Cruise fight Dracula. So if yeah. the if if the cinematic universe were just Tom Cruise fights Frankenstein, Dracula, mm-hmm. Creature from the Black Lagoon, 
I they really should have stayed married to that because they missed an opportunity they, there. They should have na- honestly just named the character like they should have given him like a code name and at the end revealed that his last name is Van Helsing and then he can fight all the monsters. Yeah, I mean, at the very end, like oh yeah. you, oh Tom Cruise, you're not actually the mummy, you're Van Helsing. This is yeah. your yeah. I mean, I mean, they were so lazily put together. Like, who cares? Yeah. It, it's it's impossible. White man fights Dracula. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> also, I mean, it. having seen the last yeah. Voyager the Demeter, I saw that last weekend. How do you put out a movie where Dracula's on a boat where Dracula isn't in the title? I just can't get over it. Was it actually Dracula? Because they made it. They they were like they call him Dracula. Also, it was, and I've talked. I talked about this on uh, the mailbag we just did, but. I don't know about you. I, the thing about, I think I like about Dracula and vampires in general is that they can be normal people. And they did like the monster all the time Dracula where he just looks like a beast. And it's like, then just make it any other monster. He, the cool thing about him is that he can look like a normal dude. That's what's interesting. Yeah. But anyway. He's a shapeshifter. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's, all right, it's well, for all these yeah. reasons and more that I've decided I'm making a movie. And oh. uh, that'll, yeah, I'm, I'm partnering up with some very impressive people and I'm actually mm. texting about it right now. Mm. And I'm making a movie uh with uh some friends and colleagues that i'm very mm. excited about uh, more details on that on the main show mm. but uh we've partnered with some pretty impressive people and uh, i hope to do something original i well, hope you do as well, well. We uh well, yep. congratulations and i hope that everything works out with if that. you That's need nice. someone to get coffee i'm currently unemployed so let me know <laughs> yeah <laughs> and, i gotta and say mike, it. <laughs> mike I just want to close out with this last question for you. So are the Heat going to upgrade that Popeye's chicken sandwich with some sides for to, to in order to get Damian Lillard into town? How, 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 what's happening with that? The NBA schedule just came out recently, and the Blazers have one national TV game. It is against the Miami Heat, and it's after the trade deadline. <laughs> we will okay, get there, spo- my friend. Spoiler it's cyclical. Alert. It's a bad it's a bad offer because there are no better offers. The second there's a better offer, Miami's offer gets better. What are people not getting? <laughs> there are no it's the best offer right now. You're someone gets a better offer. Someone gets a better offer, then it becomes something better. We're not just gonna make it better because Woj says to make it better. <laughs> what Woj, you mean that completely unbiased person whose sources come from all sides equally? I mean that's ridiculous. They um, should just be followed by a jug of water because he's been carrying water for an in-over-his-head general manager in Portland this entire time. And there you go. His name is Mike Ryan Ruiz. Mike, thank you for joining us, sir. Appreciate you coming on the show. Where can pleasure. we find the Levitard show and where can we find what you do on the Levitard show? I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> at Levitard Show. Oh, and YouTube, YouTube slash at Levitard Show, uh, DraftKings Network, uh, coming soon to more platforms, uh, ever growing. We're proud of the work as Metalark as a whole has done in, in helping DraftKings launch a very ambitious project. Uh, South Beach Sessions, lately helmed by Dan Levitard, has really kicked it into high gear yeah. and is becoming yeah. closer to the. Uh, the project that we thought, well, unlike Disney, we realized that, okay, this isn't going in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Who do we bring in to elevate it? How do we elevate it? Who do we talk to? How do we change the course of this? We took it off the table for a little bit. We relaunched it and it's really found its footing. And I'm proud of that mm-hmm. project. It's producer yeah. Matthew Kukler is doing a great job with that. Um, it's hard in the content game. You feel like you're in an assembly line. We're in the daily content game. So they're not all best picture-esque right 
uh, but you put your best foot forward and you hope that on the macro level, people will appreciate mm-hmm. what you put out there. And I'm, and I'm proud of the work that we're doing um, in a hard time right now and a quiet time to be doing it. So thank you for the opportunity to plug. Oh, of course, of course. And, and thank you again. Jay Christie, where can we follow you, sir? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at the Jay Christie. Listen to my other podcast, Love at First Psych, a, fi- a psych rewatch podcast. And uh, yeah, you know, you listen to the show, you know. And of course, you can follow me on the Twitter at Anthony Canton underscore three. Follow the show at MC University Pod across all platforms. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, shout out to Gene Schallenberg, who won the award of us paying for his The Marvels ticket. In November for oh that's a, a that's a prize. <laughs> I just I just realized that I didn't. That's realize the prize. That didn't realize that you were gonna shit on that. But, yeah. yeah, that should be second place. First place is you don't have to go. <laughs> we are Marvel Cinematic University, Mike. What are you doing here? I mean, Jesus. But shout out to Gene and for subscribing to the YouTube. Appreciate everybody for continuing to subscribe to the YouTube. As the subscriptions go up, we'll do more contests along those lines and give out more prizes that should be fun and of course patreon.com slash mcuniversitypod appreciate everybody for listening supporting five star the pod on all platforms for mike ryan and jay christie i'm anthony Cantz on the third this has been marvel cinematic university we'll talk to you next time